0: Hey everybody! Welcome to Chasing Chantavisuk, my weekly psychotherapy session uh, with myself and a few thousand people listening in, like they're all in a white van outside my apartment. But um, I got some feedback from last week, so I just wanna I just wanna double back onto that. A couple of my friends and family uh, from <laughs> from Rochester, New York, got back to me and goes, "Noi, you're a damn liar." Because you didn't do any of that stuff when you were with us. And for that, I gotta say... It's because of this week's episode. Uh, this week's theme. And so this is the DLC for last week's episode. A little segment here. So uh, I want to apologize to my friends and my family... Uh, in Rochester, New York. Because you didn't get to party with Noi... Back in the day. <laughs> and so, so when I was in California... I was all by myself. I mean, I I I had some friends and and what have you, but there was no one there to judge me. So I did a ton of crazy things. There, growing up in Rochester, I was I I, I guess I would say I was a straight edge kid. You know, I didn't do any drugs. I didn't do any drinking. I didn't I didn't even smoke or anything like that. Then again, I was. 18 when I left Rochester, so I didn't get a chance to. And so I had a reputation as well as my parents having a reputation. Um, You know, it's in an Asian culture, you have, um, I guess you have what's called saving face. You know, you want to put on a, a, a good front. And because of how I was raised, if I were to do something bad, if I did anything bad, if I got a speeding ticket, Everybody in the Asian community would know, and so if Noi was out partying doing drugs, that reflects back onto my parents, which would in return make them look bad, and then I would also make myself look bad and so when I went to go visit and see my friends and my family, they would offer me you know libations um, they would you know they would pass me a blunt they would they would offer me psychotropic drugs and I would always turn them down even though secretly in my head I was reaching for it but because of again of the reputation um, I had to turn them down and I used what I refer to as the King Lear method if you aren't familiar with King Lear there's there's a uh, there's a line there that says speak less than you know have more than you show and so as much as I wanted to party, I wasn't going to because, again, of, of the reputation. And so when I went back to California, oh, God, I doubled down. I had to catch up on all the, the times that I missed. And so I got that all out of my system. And again, I, I got clean by the time I left California. And when I got back to Rochester, the only thing I was addicted to was painkillers, which I've already talked about. And so again, to my Rochester friends and family, I apologize that you didn't get to uh to party with with Noi. <laughs> and so piggyback on for of that, let's move on to this week's episode called Asian Taboos. And so um I'm sure a lot of you already know about certain Asian taboos. Things like uh again saving face. So growing up in the 80s, everybody, every family member um, wanted to project that they were successful. And so coming to America, obviously, was step one. Step two was generating as much wealth as possible. Even if you had to work, you know, two full-time jobs, um, if you had to live with like two three families in one house just so you can save money that was a thing that w- that was considered normal but as soon as you made it out um into the real world i guess and started living on your own this is stay uh phase two i guess I would say you had to show that you were successful that you can make it on your own and so You would get a house, step one. Um, You would buy a fancy car, and then you would fill the house with as many, many expensive and fancy and high-tech things as you possibly could so that when people came over, they would be impressed and they would give you congratulatory, um, generic compliments and then you would you know, you would smile and be like, yeah, I'm so much better than you. And that's, that's how the game was played. And so families would do this. Uh, one guy would buy um, a Trans Am, for instance, at the time. In the 80s, Trans Ams were awesome. It was the Trans Am, it was the Corvette, and um, it was the Mustang. So was, those were the hot things back then. And so if a guy would get a Trans Am, then guess what? somebody else would get a transam but it would have i don't know a a, a cassette player you know so just you just had to one up each other until eventually uh you would just be so heavily in debt that you you failed that was that was it that was it was failing upwards i i guess would be the best way to put it you would be so heavily in debt that you would you would drop out of the social status and that was just how the game was played you had to try to one-up each other without killing yourself and a lot of these people were like um you know they in the, in the front they looked completely successful they would have a three bedroom house two baths uh um, a big screen tv which at the time was like wow, 27 inches and a a kick ass stereo system which you can sing karaoke on because Asians. And when you went to go visit everything was great. There was plenty of food in the fridge. There was there was beer everywhere. There was Hennessy everywhere and it was just a grand party. And then as soon as you left, that family would be like, "All right, we're not eating for a week. We are going to work our asses off." And um we're not going to go shopping for a month you know like we would starve for for the entire time until it was time to throw another party and that's just how it was that was how it 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 was with pretty much every family my family included you know we we bought a kick-ass stereo system which i had no idea how to use i don't even think my dad knew how to use and we bought a twenty-seven inch uh, Panasonic TV because my cousins had just bought a Panasonic uh, a twenty-seven inch Panasonic TV. It was the exact same TV I remember. And then we would have like you know big parties where everybody would cook and and gambling, and then at the end of the night, my parents would just be so exhausted that. You know, they didn't want to do anything else. They didn't clean up until the next day. And then I remember we would go to McDonald's every week. Well, my my dad and my mom would take me to McDonald's every week. We didn't get that because we spent so much money on these parties that um, sometimes we didn't get the cable bill paid. (laughs) You know, stupid things like that. But it was very important to maintain your status um, in the community. And then... Every now and then, you would get a monkey wrench, and it would be very, very hard for these families. But they also had to show again that nothing was wrong. There's a there's a, a saying in Laos. It's called Yang, um, which means no worries. So, and and that's basically how I mean, basically how I live my life now. But something bad happens. Yang. Like it's, it's, there's, there's nothing to worry about. We got this. And so that's the face that you put on when other people come around, even if you are heavily in debt, if you had, um, if you just lost your job, you would still leave the house every day at seven o'clock and come back at three o'clock. Even if you didn't have a job, you would just disappear for eight hours just in case somebody was snooping around or anything like that. You had to keep this front going. And so again, when you get a monkey wrench in there, um, say you had a family member who had a mental illness, who, um, example, I had a family member who was autistic, and his parents didn't acknowledge him when he was, well, when he was born, yes, obviously they, that was his their son, but as he got older, And, again, when you throw these grand parties, he was told to go in the basement and just not come up. You know, he he would go down there. And all the kids would go play in the basement anyway because that's where all the kids go. But he was, like, I believe he was, like, in his teens. And he was just told to go into the basement and not come up, not to be seen. Like, he would, you know, go play in the corner somewhere with the kids. And I never understood that. Like, I was, like, you know. Why is he up there with the adults? Because he was so much bigger than us. You know, he was so much bigger. He was stronger than us. We would wrestle with him, and he was, like, overpowering us. You know, he was a real gentle person. He he didn't hurt anybody. And I remember I wanted to get a drink, and so he took me up. And then he stopped at the the stairs, at the top of the stairs, and he told me to go, you know, told me, go ahead, go ahead. He would wait for me here. And I'm like, you know, come help me, because I can't open up the two-liter bottle by myself, you know. He's like, no, I can't. I can't go. And he was, like, visibly shaking, because I remember this because, again, it's something traumatic, so I would remember it. And he was, like, visibly shaking that he couldn't leave the threshold of that door. And then I go, well, you know, can can you, like, can you at least open the bottle for me? And he's, he's like, no, no, no. He shook his head. No, 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 no. And so, like... I'm standing in the doorway and then his mom walks by and she sees him like standing at the doorway and she yells at him like like you would yell at a, a, a dog who peed on the carpet or something like that. She yelled, like yelled at him to the point that I got scared and, and he was crying and I got so scared that I started crying. And my parents, you know, they heard me it's so weird when you're a parent and you hear like a child crying, you can tell which one's yours. <laughs> and so my parents heard me crying, and they came running over. And goes, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I couldn't say anything. I was just like, I'm scared. I'm scared. And so they they took me home, but I didn't understand later because you know they would explain it to me that um, that they were just embarrassed that he was born that way not not my parents my parents were embarrassed but like his parents were embarrassed that he was born that way and they to this day like well I wouldn't say to this day because I kind of lost track but um, as far as I know that's how they treated him his entire life you know just as he was their son when no one was around and when there were people around he was just considered a, a babysitter or I, or even just a lowly servant, I guess, uh, is how they treated him. And, you know, working in the mental health field, I get it. Like, I hear a lot of stories about that, how, you know, the families wishing that these people didn't exist. And a lot of times they would just be there with no one to visit them, no one to talk to them. And so it's 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 really hard because, you know, obviously – we all have issues. You know, don't believe me? Don't believe you're mentally unstable? Uh, crying. Yeah, think about crying. It's, it's the only physical manifestation brought on by your mind. You know? You're, you're sad, you start crying. You're happy, you start crying. It's not a physical thing. You know, I can hit my hand with a hammer all day long and I'll get angry. It's just the fact that your mind is telling you, you should probably cry right about now. Oh, God. Rest in peace, Bing Bong. Oh, God. Now I'm about to cry. Anyways, <laughs> going back to it. Yeah, that's right. You cry? Guess what? You're mentally unstable. Boo-hoo. Mm, yeah, I made a point. I deserve a zesty drink. Mm. So, going, b- <laughs> going back to, uh, to the topic at hand mentally uh mentally challenged family members is considered an asian taboo we don't we don't talk about it you know we we shove it underneath the rug everything is fine yang and then there's the other one where um if you're dating someone and this this scared the piss out of me as a kid because I didn't know any better but if you are dating somebody, the way it's seen in our culture is if you are dating someone, that is it. That is it for you. Like, if you're a guy and you date this girl, guess what? You are going to marry her because that's how things are. If you're a girl and you date a guy, that's your husband right there. They even refer to them as your wife or your husband, you know, the moment you guys started dating. And I kinda carry, I kind of carry that still mentality. When I first met my, uh, when I first met Mary's dad, who, when we just started dating, you know, the first time I met him, I called him dad right away. Like, I was like, you know, how's it going, dad? You know, and th- that's how I was just raised. And so I I still carry that portion. But as a kid, God, I was so terrified of like, of, of girls because of this. And like, yeah, I, I, I like you, but what if I don't like you two hours from now? <laughs> it's like, this is me as like eight, nine year old, you know, like, oh, this is my boyfriend, this is my girlfriend, you know how kids play. And I, I took that shit seriously though because I had like this girl who would like hold my hand and then she's like, this is my boyfriend. I'm like, don't you touch me, wench. <laughs> like, Maybe I don't like you. And so that that screwed me up. Even growing up, and, you know, finally, like, again, it's like, I don't want to go, oh, okay, that was all bullshit. Damn it, now I missed out. <laughs> but, again, no regrets. <laughs> and so, if you if you were dating someone, and obviously, you know, like, maybe it is serious, maybe it's a one-shot deal. But if you're dating somebody, especially if you're a woman, and you you got pregnant, you know, out of wedlock, and then suddenly you're not with that that guy anymore. And your parents know that you're pregnant. Your family knows that you're pregnant. And because your family knows, guess what? Especially if you're Asian, everybody knows. But you're an embarrassment because you got pregnant and you're not married to this person. And so if you're living at home, again, when people come over, you are that secret shame, and you need to be hidden. And so a lot of times girls who get pregnant out of wedlock would be told to stay in their rooms. And at, at certain um, certain extremes, they would be locked in their rooms. And then we would go, you know, where such and such? Because we knew. Everybody knew, but no one wanted to really acknowledge it. And so we'd go, you know, where such and such, and go, oh, she's at work, or she's out with friends. You know, everything's fine, everything's fine. She's not pregnant, what are you talking about? Again, bo and And so, like, even after you give birth, even after the girl gives birth, like, she, this this baby just magically appeared, immaculately. And and then everything would die down. You know, obviously, everybody would love the baby, and, and it would just go from there, but you wouldn't acknowledged um, as you, you would automatically your status in, this, in the community would already drop to like a negative until this baby grows up and then now you're judged by how you raise this baby so then your status is tied to this which again goes back to me not wanting to embarrass my parents because then their status would drop I mean my dad's god my dad's XP is probably like god mode in Rochester because he's, he's he's kind of a big deal but at the time you, you don't do anything to embarrass the family and so again girl gets pregnant girl disappears for 9 months and suddenly she reemerges with a baby, and everything is fine. Everything is fine until, you know, until she starts dating again, I guess. And then they're like, hmm, is she going to get pregnant by this one now? That whole sort of thing. And then the gossip starts talking again. But uh, again, anytime you do something, your reputation is weighed against your parents, your upbringing. Which then, it's God. It's the worst social media ever. But that's just how I wanted to explain um, Asian taboos in the Laos community, at least. And I'm sorry to cut the episode short, but that's pretty much it. Really, that's that. That was my personal, um, my personal experience. But Alex, I mean, you're definitely not an embarrassment to your mom or I. And you already know that. We're so proud of you. I mean, you read so much better than I did when I was your age. And you're not as athletically gifted. So we're not going to talk about that in front of everybody. Because you can't throw for the life of you. Anyways. <laughs> oh, God. You're not going to give me a good burial, are you? Anyways. I just want to say thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, do, let's do some house cleaning again, right? So, social media, KingKado81, pretty easy. Don't forget, I have merch up. I don't know why I have merch up, but support the show, you know? Or buy me a cup of coffee, or a bowl of pho. Ooh, pho. Have I had pho tonight? That sounds good. For those of you who've never had pho before, P-H-O, do it it now in fact pause this right now and then go have some pho and then come back and tell me about it if you've had it for the first time <laughs> but uh we'll see you guys next week thank you and goodbye